Welcome to The Portable Pastor, a podcast of relevant biblical teaching, linking ancient truth with today's challenges. Each week, Pastor Mike will share God's Word to help you and remind you that God is pro-you. So download the outline from fbcclover.life and get ready to hear today's teaching. Here's Pastor Mike. All right, if you would go ahead and take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 7. We're going to look at verses 1 through 10 today. This is the conversation that Jesus had with the centurion. And the main point of this passage is that faith gets noticed. Faith gets noticed. A few years back while I was on a mission trip in Texas, I I took a, a youth group to Ripley's Believe It or Not. And you know, if you've ever been there, it's an amazing place. They got the wax people. They have that tornado room that shows... The devastation of the the tornadoes. They have odd objects like uh, shrunken heads and uh, and a chicken in a bottle, and it's crazy what they have there. Well, there's this one part of 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 Ripley's where they have a a great big mirror and a video and some lights, and they they tell you what percentage of people can can bend their tongues in certain ways, and so they'll show it on the video. You're expected to react and. Fold your, your tongue, you know, in half sideways or front ways or downwards. And so I was doing all this stuff trying to mimic what they were doing on on the uh, on the screen. And so I, I could do part of it. Part of what I couldn't do without, you know, holding my tongue and doing that myself. So anyway, so after you go through and you look at all this weird stuff that is... Um, that's in Ripley's when you start to exit you go down this hallway and the last thing that you see on the left is the back side of that mirror and you can see people trying to do these things and it is hilarious you can sit there and just laugh at folks and it's great until you realize that you know you were on the other side of that and the people were looking at you with you know contorting your face too oh the the things that we'll do when we don't think that people are watching but the, the problem is is that a lot of people are watching. I love the people watch. Maybe you do too. And the things that we'll do when no one is watching would be embarrassing if we knew that they were. Well, today's conversation is going to end with Jesus, when, with Jesus noticing the faith of this centurion. And, and the centurion was just asking for help. He didn't know that, that Jesus was going to notice his motives or or behind his his question but Jesus did so if you would go ahead and take your bible and turn to uh, Luke chapter 7 we'll start with with uh, verse 1 and it says after he had finished all these sayings and the hearing of the people he entered Capernaum now a centurion had a had a servant who was sick and at the point of death who was highly valued by him And when the centurion heard about Jesus, he sent to him elders of the Jews, asking him to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they pleaded with him earnestly, saying, He is worthy to have you to do this for him, for he loves our nation, and he's he's the one who's built us our synagogue. And Jesus went with them. When he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof." Therefore, I did not presume to you, presume to come to you, but say the word and, and let my servant be healed. For I too am a man set under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to the one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. 
Listen to verse 9. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him, and turning to the crowd that followed him, said, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. And when those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the servant well. Now, let's put this into context. Jesus had just left teaching a whole bunch of people from Judea and Jerusalem and and Tyre and Sidon. He was healing and teaching and casting out demons. And this was where he gave the Sermon on the Mount. You know, the Beatitudes, blessed are they that, you know, and then he gives those, those woes for unrighteous living and then that famous part about loving your enemies, turn the other cheek, bless and give, and a little bit of teaching about judging and where he says, you know, trees will bear fruit and, and good trees bear good fruit and bad trees bear bad fruit and build your house on the rock. And so all these great teachings on the Sermon of Mount, the Sermon of the Mount. But then he left and we pick up here in Capernaum. Now, there's some unexpected uh, unexpected insights that, that I, I glean from this passage. And I hope that you will too. First is, is this. This conversation was not in person. You know, I guess you expected the conversations that we're going to look at in this series to be in person, but this one's not the case. The centurion initially sent word through the Jewish elders, and later on he sent a message through his friends. Now, that that shouldn't shock us. This type of conversation isn't uncommon. People have full conversations on Messenger, uh, you know, and over texting and and people who are in prison have conversations via mail, and and you know, we we pray to God via you know we we have conversations with God via prayer. So this conversation wasn't in in person, but it's a conversation nonetheless. Second thing that jumps out at me that I did not expect is the centurion had a love in his heart. I, I was not expecting that from a, a Roman officer. It's not typical of them. There were three types of Roman soldiers in those days. There was the Praetorian Guard, you know, those those are the ones that guarded Caesar. There were the Legionnaires, those were infantry soldiers and officers, and they were made up of Roman citizens. And then there was the Auxiliaries, those were non-citizen type uh, troops. And the Centurions were Legionnaires. And they got noticed for their their skill or maybe their courage in, in the battle, and they were made officers. And so they were made officers over a hundred men. That's why they're, you know, they're, they're called centurions, which is uh, uh, you're over 100 men. Now, they were hard men. They had to be dedicated to the Roman cause. They, they had to be, you know, uh, worthy of leadership. And so these men were tough. And the fact that it says that he loves our nation and built our synagogue, I was not expecting that. The Jewish elders came and they, they vouched for him. He loved the nation. He helped them with religious matters. That, that, was, that was very unusual. The next thing I noticed is that the centurion had faith in Jesus. This was very unusual. What did he say? I'm not worthy to be to, to, for you to come under my roof. He respected who Jesus was. No doubt. He, he had heard the stories just like everyone else in Capernaum, and he, he believed that this was a, a special religious man. But because he was a Roman soldier, that wasn't that, that wasn't common for those guys to accept the the religion of the people that were subject to them. He he felt unworthy to have Jesus in his home. Hmm. But then he says, "But say the word, 
but say the word. The word of Jesus, the, the, the reputation of Jesus had, had spread, you know, of these miraculous healings and, and casting out demons. And, and Roman soldiers didn't buy into this kind of stuff. If anything, they would, they would worship Roman gods or, or Caesar himself, right? And they would have different beliefs. But he obviously believed that Jesus was powerful enough to heal him, you know, even from a distance. The fourth thing that jumps out at me is Jesus recognized the centurion's faith. The fact that Jesus knew about the centurion's faith, I'm not, I wasn't expecting that either. I mean, Jesus knows everything. I, I understand that. But he marveled at the centurion's faith. That was unexpected. You see, Jesus started the redemption of mankind with the Jews. He focused his attention mainly on them and, and let them reach out to the Gentiles. So when Jesus publicly praised this centurion by saying, Not even in Israel have I found such faith, that was completely unexpected. Um, that was an unexpected statement. The next thing that jumps out at me is that Jesus healed the centurion's servant. The healing, like the conversation, was from a distance, proving that you know, that, that space isn't a factor in his work. In his other miracles, Jesus healed in almost, um, uh, almost always, he, he, he healed in a way that was, had an immediate purpose, and that was to be known. But here the miracle wasn't even realized until those Jewish leaders went back to the centurion's house. Jesus healed here in the most unusual way. So this is, this is not the common conversation, the common ministry style of Jesus. And yet, he did it. So here's some application. Here's some things that I think we can glean from this. Number one, we should seek out Jesus in prayer. The centurion's conversation wasn't in person, but it was still effective. And ours can be too. What does 1 John 5, 14 say? I, it says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. In James 5, 16, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And you might say, it's hard to pray without seeing Jesus. I get it. I get it. But does, does texting work for you? Do, do letters and emails and do those things communicate in a way that's real to you? In the same way, we, we talk to God. And then we, we read his word and he, he communicates with us. Your prayers may sometimes seem one-sided, especially when you don't have time, you just don't take time to listen. Now, I'll be honest with you. I'm a pastor, but I'm still learning this stuff too. I have a bad habit. I don't like, I don't like things in my, my pockets, so I don't carry my phone around with me. I, I text and then I lay it down and I check it later. Yeah, Two-way communication doesn't work as well. When I, when I do this. Likewise, when, when I pray and get up and leave immediately, I usually miss out on, on God's response. It would be better for me to, to pray than get in His Word, read the Bible, and allow Him to respond. I, I have to get better at that, and I'm charging you to do the same. Seek out Jesus in prayer and then wait, wait for Him to, to respond. The second application is, is this don't don't judge people's faith by their status don't don't that their status has nothing to do with their faith a lot of times now that just makes sense we're not supposed to judge anyway right 
Let let me pause here and address this. This is a a commonly held misconception. Am I supposed to judge others? Do, do Do I even have the right to judge others? Well, what does the Bible say? Everyone quotes the very famous one, Matthew 7, 1, Judge not, lest you be judged. Well, most people use this to simply silence their critics, don't they? There, has, there doesn't have to be any moral uh, connotation in, in our common use of, of this verse. It has come to mean that all negative assessments are sinful and wrong. And if this is true, I mean, think about it. Then all actions are equally moral and completely subjective. So this can't be what Jesus meant. In fact, if you keep reading in that passage, it says Matthew 7, 6, don't give, do not give to dogs what is sacred. Don't throw your pearls to pigs. That sounds pretty judgmental. Matthew 7, 15, watch out for false prophets. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Well, how, how will we do that without judging them? And then John 7, 24, stop judging by mere appearances, but instead judge correctly. Oh, okay, there it is. There it is. There's the proof that Maybe we, we are supposed to judge a little bit. That makes sense. I mean, think about it. There's a book in the Bible called Judges. <laughs> what about that? People were called by God to judge Israel. So what does that mean? Here, here Matthew 7, 2, For in the same way you judge others, you will also be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. In other words, what goes around comes around. So judge correctly. I think there are are some categories. There's basically six types of incorrect judgments. Superficial, hypocritical, harsh, unforgiving, uh, self-righteous, and untrue judging. But correct judging includes, uh, according to that that verse, um, the discernment from God with with godly insight and and loving someone enough to tell the truth about their, their wrongs, their sins that are listed in the Bible. Right judgment will return merciful judgment to you, but wrong judgment will return harsh judgment to you. Now back to the conversation with the centurion. Jesus made a statement, a judgment statement, on the centurion. Now it was a positive assessment of the man, but it was still judgment. He had faith. The strangest people can be full of faith. And if you wrongly judge someone's faith by their appearance or their financial status or by their reputation, you might get it wrong. But if if you were to look at this centurion, you may have never guessed that he was a man of faith, but but he was. So don't judge people by their, their status. The third application that I want you to consider is remember that Jesus is watching. Jesus is always watching. Proverbs 5.21, For a man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponders all his paths. In Proverbs 15.13, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, watching the evil and the good. In Proverbs 139.2, You know when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. Now part of me, when I read those passages, I, I go, Oh, no. He sees me when I'm in secret. He sees me when I think that I'm alone, part of me says, oh no. I used to ask myself, and this is just brutally honest, I used to ask myself, does Jesus know when I'm in the bathroom? Does he, come, does he actually come in there and watch me? Does he wait outside the door? I had to come to grips that if, if he does come in with me, it's because he's a loving parent. 
But now that I'm a man, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't talk to me in the bathroom anymore because, you know, men don't discuss things in the bathroom. The only communication in the bathroom, in a men's bathroom, is, you know, coughing or clearing your throat to let somebody else know you're in there. So part of me honestly says, oh, no. But part of me says, yes. I'm glad that God's watched me all the time. There were times when I appreciated someone with me in the bathroom in, in sketchy areas. So, of course, Psalm 121.8 is a, is a blessing to me. The Lord will guard your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. He sees me when I'm in trouble and need Him. But, but also, Psalm 34.15, The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and His ears are open to their cry. He sees me when I'm broken and when I'm sad. So I can be comforted in the fact that Jesus is always watching. So here's, here's the main point, though. Here's the main point from this this conversation with Jesus is that faith gets noticed. This passage reminds us that when Jesus sees faithful living, good good things are eventually going to happen. The centurion sent word in faith and his servant was healed. Why? Because he asked in faith for Jesus to help. His request was not selfish. He was humble towards Christ. And so, yeah, Jesus healed his servant. Now, I'll remind you what we learned last week. Miracles are purposeful, and sometimes our requests for miracles are denied because of the opposite of the request serves for the greater purpose. So name it, claim it, it's really not a valid statement. So keep this in mind when you're asking. But keep this in mind too. We do not live righteously to get noticed, but it's nice to know that He does notice us and sometimes even praises us for the effort. All right, I need to wrap this up, but I want you to know, unbeliever, let me just address you who who do not believe in Jesus yet. Jesus wants a relationship with you. He wants to communicate with you. And if you will have faith in Jesus, a miracle could happen to you today. You could be saved, the biggest miracle of all. Jesus will notice your faith and save you. Believer, let me wrap this up for you this way. Commit to a more consistent effort to talk and listen with God. Commit to judge rightly, not because you have the right, but because you love. Begin the habit of reminding yourself that Jesus is watching, and that is a good thing. After all, He is so pro-you. So today, in the light of Jesus seeing all, would, would you... Would you agree with Him? Would you give your life to Him? If so, just simply pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know I've messed up. But I believe that you are the Son of God, and I believe that you died on a cross for the sin of anyone who would believe in you. And I believe in you. Would you save me for eternity? Help me to live better, and I'll just rely on you. Thank you for your your love and your forgiveness. I'll do my best to honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. If if you prayed that, you, you are in. You are forgiven. You are saved for eternity. God loves you. He's pro you. He, he's going he's gonna to do great things through you and with you and in you and for you. And, and so please just follow him. If you would like further prayer or discussion on this matter, feel free to contact me. Go to fbcclover.life, find my contact information under Pastor Mike, and send me a message. Be glad to have a conversation with you. 
And then you Christians, just know that He's with you. He's watching over you. Your faith gets noticed. You're not alone. Let me pray for you today as well. Dear God, for those who are listening today, I ask that you would remind them that you are there at every moment, every step of the way, walking through through things with them, not delivering always, but walking through things with them. And I ask that you would be honored in their lives by this, and you would remind them that they're not alone. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for these promises. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, thanks for listening today. I hope you're blessed. And just remember, he's pro you. Thanks for listening to the Portable Pastor Podcast. Pastor Mike serves as pastor at the First Baptist Church in Clover, South Carolina. FBC Clover is a church that focuses on loving God, loving people, and making disciples. For more information about our church and our ministries, or to make an online donation, go to fbcclover.com or email us at fbcclover at gmail.com. Until next time, be blessed. And remember, God is pro-you.